Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 325th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast on the Believe Network and MikeFarrellSports.com, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins. No coach with us here tonight, but we still have the third amigo in the second city, a man who will be at Wrigley Field this weekend, but not for a baseball game, because let's face it, it's the Cubs. They're never playing this late in the year, and it's November. Uh, doesn't matter. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Hayden Fry. I mean, Josh Cook. Well, how you doing over there, Matt? Is it good to be here? Uh, coming straight to you from Texas. How we doing? Uh, Coach Coach Fry, I didn't uh, realize that you were uh, still down there in Texas. I appreciate you taking the time. Well, we, you know, my, my Hawkeyes, we're going to throw some exotics in this week. We got some exotic. We're going to do a, a reverse to Timmy Dwight. And then, uh, and then we're going to do a little flea flicker. We're going to hand it off to Tavian Banks, and he's going to flip it on back to the quarterback, and then we'll tr- throw it down the field. I just, I just hope we don't hurt Pat Fitzgerald boys too bad. You know, we broke his leg before the Rose Bowl. <laughs> well, I, I hope that for, uh, for for those boys' sake, that you don't do anything uh, too out of hand. But. Um... <laughs> Before we, we're going to talk about everything going on. I don't even know how long I'm able to keep. I can't keep a straight face. Who am I kidding? With, uh, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you need to be. Um, Doesn't matter. Uh, Before we get into everything going on this weekend at Wrigley Field and much more, want to remind the good folks listening at home or wherever they may be that they should be over at betonline.ag for all of their online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website or Use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V, bet online, where the game starts. All right, Coach Fry, uh, we're going to start with uh, uh, one big takeaway each from this past weekend uh, before we get into breaking down the games like we usually do here. Um, And my takeaway remains sort of the overall takeaway from the season the pac-12 is the most fun conference in the country that has not changed whatsoever in my eyes in fact it just gets better and better every single weekend it seems uh you know throughout the weekend washington stanford was a much closer game than we all expected oregon uh beat the brakes off of Utah, which we were not expecting to see. But I think Utah not having Cam rising really finally came back to bite them in the butt uh, for the first time really badly all season. Oregon put on an absolute clinic in the first half. Arizona is uh, becoming one of the most interesting teams in the country. They've won four of five and uh, seem to have really found something here with Noah Fafita at quarterback. The the scrambling freshman can you know seem to make something out of nothing routinely. Uh, USC tried to give a game away to Cal, uh, fifty to forty nine, uh, which was just one of the more absurd finishes of the weekend. Uh, you know, Cal goes for two and the win, and they fail there. Uh, and then Arizona State 
beat uh, a Washington State team that is now in a bit of a free fall, I must say, uh, Josh, because they started out the year so strong. They had that win over Oregon State, who just beat Arizona. And ever since, though, they have been reeling. They've lost four in a row, UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, and Arizona State now. And it's really tough to figure out what is happening up there on the Palouse. Uh, oh, yeah, and, and UCLA, uh, their defense really uh, held down Colorado for most of that game. The Bruins, uh, going with a little three-quarterback rotation, uh, still managed to win 28-16. to 16. So, But basically, what I'm trying to say is that you look through the Pac-12, there's not a bad game in there from last weekend. It seems like all these teams are competitive with each other, even, you know, you're lowly cals and stanfords and what we thought arizona arizona state they're being competitive it is great football being played up and down the conference and it's still a damn shame that there will be no more pac-12 next year so uh what is your takeaway from this past weekend well you know i was looking at my two last programs i was coaching there matt and north texas state they came up just short in a really good barn burner 45 42 against uh Memphis there. I, I, I don't know what that was. Was that uh, Metro League football? What is that? Was this American thing? I don't know what it is. And then uh, SMU, Fort future ACC member, they dropped 69 on somebody. Oh, my goodness. Woo, I integrated both schools. Well, I tried to integrate SMU, and they ran me out for trying to sign some black players. But anyway, I digress. How about that team out east, Iowa State? Second place of the Big 12. We all thought that was going to happen. Good job, Dan McCarney. You know, part of my coaching tree. Of course, he's coaching them up. Makes sense. And then uh, how about Virginia Tech? Yeah, they control their destiny in the ACC. How about that? You know what? Actually, no, ACC, Virginia Tech. They're independent. They're still independent. There we go. Anyway, uh, I think they they must have hired Beamer's son there. Frank Beamer's getting up there in age. They probably hired his son. But, uh, yeah, Iowa State, Virginia Tech, turning their seasons around. Good for them. Uh, that uh, that that coach Pry. I don't think he's off of your coaching tree. Last time I checked, but you never know. Maybe it's one of the deeper branches that we just don't know about uh, over there with with Coach Pry, who does have the Hokies looking pretty good as we head in here to the stretch run of the college football season. Uh, that begins this weekend, week ten. Uh, we've got five games we're going to run through here, uh, and we're going to start back down in the big eight i mean the big 12 um with uh kansas state and texas uh two they are two of the five teams who sit uh in a five-way tie atop the conference at four and one uh k-state comes in having outscored their last two opponents 82 to three uh and while texas is starting malik murphy uh because quinn Ewers is still injured uh coach do you think that Sark and them boys will be ready to and be able to keep up with Kansas State, a uh, team that's really clicking on all cylinders right now with uh, a relatively inexperienced quarterback? Well, of course, you know, my old offensive coordinator, Bill Snyder, he's coaching them up. That makes sense. Of course, they'd put up those offensive points. Uh, the problem for Texas, though, is what you pointed out, their quarterback play. They're going in with a, with a new boy, of course. You know, one start under him, so still pretty wet behind the ears. Um, he played okay against BYU. Um, obviously, special teams came up huge. Uh, punt return touchdown. The Longhorns' defense was amazing. Um, but 
Kansas State's a whole nother whole nother level from what BYU did. So this is a you know this is a tough tough game. And and if Texas wins it at home, which you know you look at the athletes, you look at the talent, Texas probably should win at home. But if they do, it's going to be because of that defense. Um, I I don't see um, Murphy and that offense being good enough to win a shootout if if this turns into one. Um, I, I mean, it was 21. You know, they, they were at 21 points for most of the game. They scored 14 in that fourth quarter to pull away. But I mean, you know, this game was 21-6 at one point going in the fourth. Um, if BYU was just a little bit better, I think they would have given Texas much more fit. So if Texas wins, it'll be defense and special teams again. Yeah. And, you know, cause that Kansas defense, sorry, I should say Kansas state defense. They're the best scoring defense in the conference. I mean, they're giving up basically 16 points a game for the season, uh, a tick under 17 for conference games. And so with the backup quarterback, that's something really to worry about a lot for, the Longhorns because this is sort of they've got to they, they've got to win out in order to even get a chance to sort of redeem that loss that they had to Oklahoma. Uh, otherwise, you know, we're going to see, you know, it would not surprise me at all the way things are shaking out right now to have a, you know, Big 12 championship game. That's Kansas State in Oklahoma. That would not surprise me at all. Um, you know, any of these five teams that are up here with one loss, you know, even Iowa State for all of their issues, they're still four and one in conference. So you can't, you know, completely count them out yet, despite having a lot less talent than a lot of these other teams at the top of the Big 12. Um, speaking of a former uh, Big 12 team, uh, a former rival of Kansas State, Missouri, uh, the boys from Columbia, they're up to number 12 in the polls in that first uh uh whatever cfp poll that has ohio state as the number one team uh in, in the country i don't know what uh uh i, I, I don't what who, who's over there coach jim cooper um you know i i don't know who I, I don't know what's going on with that that seems a little bit a little bit high to me personally but you know the missouri is up to number 12 and so sort of a two-part question for you, Josh, because we don't have coach here tonight to really talk Georgia. First of all, is Missouri the best team that Georgia will face this regular season? And two, what do you think has accounted for Eli Drinkwitz and the Tigers and their turnaround so far? What's like stood out about that? Well, I'll tell you what helps Mizzou. They got out of the, the big eight. They don't have to play Colorado and, and have a, a ball get kicked into the air. Then they catch it. They, you know, they're not losing on uh extra downs given the the other team five downs you know good for good for mizzou to get out of there and then over over on georgia's side ray goof how does ray goof have them number one in the polls what's going on uh, i don't know what's going on with this um you know um I, i'm gonna be honest as georgia was mounting some injuries most notably the brock bowers injury as they had kind of that hiccup at auburn um I was kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. And what have they done? Well, they obliterated Kentucky. They took care of business at Vanderbilt. And then they completely obliterated Florida. They're playing probably their best football of the season. 
um, at this juncture. And, um, you know, I, I think what's going to be interesting for Georgia is, of course, their very next game is another tough one. It's Ole Miss. And then after that, they have their rivalry at Tennessee. I, I think if this was Missouri of the past, they, they might be looking uh, looking by them a little bit. It's it's going to be hard for, for those players and that staff to ignore uh, a highly ranked Missouri team, you know, 12th in the nation. Um, it's at home. Uh, I think, you know, we've seen more than enough from this coaching staff that they're not going to have a weird hiccup. They're kind of like what Nick Saban has, which makes sense that they're building off that foundation of they really don't beat themselves. So if Missouri is going to do the unthinkable, Missouri is just going to have to play a plus football in all three phases, because I don't see Georgia, you know, having like a, seven turnover debacle you know like they're too talented they're too well coached um and if they ever did start to get turnover happy i think they would you know shut down the passing game and just be like hey let's uh let's just run the rock every down and and out muscle um missouri so uh you know i'm not saying missouri can't win we've seen some incredible teams have some amazing breakthrough wins uh one that I will always fondly remember is when Iowa had their breakthrough season in 2002, Brad Banks and the Hawks went into Ann Arbor. It had been a house of whores for us for, for many long time. And and we exercised some demons beating them 34 to nine. And Iowa was kind of in the same boat as Missouri. We were ranked. We were, you know, the hot thing, but we still had a lot of doubters and, and Michigan was, um, expected to do incredibly well that year. And and we we knocked them off and went from there. So I'm not saying Missouri can't do it. It's just this Georgia team's at a whole nother level. I, I don't see, um, you know, it to be a, a broken record, but I just don't see Georgia beating themselves, which means Missouri's going to have to play a perfect game. Yeah, and they're going to have to get probably – one or two big special teams plays probably a broken player to to luther burden the wide receiver uh who is you know maybe the one mismatch that they can go after in attacks i don't know if there's any corner in the country who can effectively cover him on a play-to-play basis but it is the the game is in athens it's it's going to be loud it's going to be wild and i still expect georgia to come out on top of this one um let's as do i yeah so uh let's head to uh an old big eight rivalry in the final edition of bedlam for the foreseeable future um this will be without a doubt uh one of the best environments of all of college football this weekend a little extra juice on the line as well earlier this week uh cowboy turned sooner defensive lineman trace ford called out Mike Gundy and the coaching staff for the way they treated him and a lot of other players when they even talked about uh, them being potentially considering entering the transfer portal. There was some, uh, there's been a little sparring, verbal sparring going back and forth between those two parties to add a little bit more fuel to an already raging fire in Stillwater. 
uh, pokes are big, are big mad as the kids are saying these days, coach. I mean, I, I don't know if, know if you're keeping up with the youths these days in, in their lingo, but, uh, uh, you know, those, those, those guys down there in Stillwater, they're big mad. So uh, what do you think the odds are that the Pokes are able to overcome the Sooners' talent advantage and go out on top in Bedlam? Well, you know, Pat Jones has had an interesting career down there in Stillwater, you know, four bowl games in his first five years, but they really struggle. You know, they went they went 0-10-1 in 1991. You know what, what we did in 1991? We went to a Rose Bowl. How about that? How about that? Anyway... Yeah, I mean th- this. Th- this is one of the weirdest games, right? Because it's it's a rivalry. It's it's bedlam. It's um like eighty five to ten <laughs> for something for Oklahoma. Like, it, it's something absurd like that. Like um, it's it's unusual. Now, unfortunately for Oklahoma State, uh, they're going to be catching Oklahoma when they are real focused <laughs> because they just lost to Kansas. And I mean, this, th- this team's going to be incredibly, incredibly pissed, right? Yeah. Like, uh, it's, uh, by the way, 91, 19 and seven. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Like they, um, <laughs> if, if look, if Oklahoma had waxed Kansas, like the Charlie Weiss era, and Oklahoma was coming off like a 73 to 10 win. We might be like, yeah, okay. Like they're kind of sleepwalking and they're just assuming that they're going to win the big 12 again. But no, like <laughs> Brent Venables should have that team as focused as they ever will be this season. They're coming off their first loss. And for, for Oklahoma state, I, I mean, I, Matt, what do you think of this team? Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, that, that's the thing. Like, they're winning games. They're, you know, they're up to 22nd in the polls. But I, I don't, I don't know. Like, they beat Kansas State yeah. and Kansas. Two teams that we both yeah. think are, are good teams. Yeah, but they lost at Iowa State. They lost at home to South Alabama. They, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I don't know. Like, I genuinely don't know what to think about this team. I mean, they started the season by struggling with Central Arkansas. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, it's it's a befuddling team. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that's not befuddling is. Their rise has come with giving Ali Gordon the second the rock. Mm. Uh, first three games of the season, seven carries, nine carries, three carries against South Alabama. Jumped to 18 carries in a losing effort against Iowa State. Since then, 21 against Kansas State for Buck 36. 29 against Kansas for 168. 29 against West Virginia for 282 and four touchdowns in that one. Yeah. And 25 against Cincinnati for 271. Um, I think it's pretty obvious what their offense is going to be, which again, Oklahoma is going to be good and pissed and Kansas 
had some success running the ball against them also. Yeah. So Neal had a big game. Yeah. So um, I, I don't like Oklahoma state's odds in this one with just the timing of, of coming off that Kansas loss, but you know what? It's at home. It's in Stillwater. It's the last bedlam. Like you said, in the foreseeable future, this is, I know they're still in contention, obviously, for making the Big 12 title game, but this is Oklahoma State's World Cup, Super Bowl, World Series, Stanley Cup Final Game 7, all wrapped up into one. Like, this is the biggest game in program history, and if they process that, uh, actually, you know, probably the, the loss at Iowa State when they were making the title run was probably bigger. But anyway... It's a huge-ass game for their program. If they can channel those nerves and energy in the right way, Oklahoma's vulnerable. I mean, Oklahoma had some really nice games this year. They did beat Texas, but Kansas exposed a lot of flaws in them also. And, um, you know, they had a game plan, a weird game plan also. They've got an idiot offensive coordinator who who's... (laughs) Loves hanging out with Art Bryles. I mean, come on. Oh yeah, the, if you are the company, also, you keep. Also, hey Matt, I, I gotta, Matt, I gotta confess something. I what's uh, that, Coach? You know, I'm I'm getting a little up there in old in age. I, I said, I said, 1991, we went to the Rose Bowl. We we played in the '91 Rose Bowl, but that was coming off the 1990 season. I'm sorry. It's okay, Coach. We'll we'll, then, we'll we'll forgive you on that one. And then those damn Washington Huskies got us. <laughs> the Purple Rain. <laughs> You never were a Prince fan, were you, Coach? No, I don't like anything from Minnesota. Didn't think so. All right, let's uh, let, let, let's hey, have, let, let's have you ever have you ever heard my Minnesota story? No, tell me your Minnesota story. Okay, well, actually, I'll just tell this one as me because um, it's a real story. Yeah, he, he gave the he told the story many times, but um, he also told it in his Hall of Fame induction at the University of Iowa, where um, Iowa won a game up at the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome, as he always called it. He, he did the full name for it. <laughs> um, we, uh, Iowa is down 10-9. <laughs> Classic. Um, as you do. And line up for a game-winning field goal. And we doink it. But hold, hold on. Flags on the play. Gophers. 12 men on the field. Move the ball five yards closer, hit the field goal, win 12-10, escape. Escape the Hubert Humphrey Metrodome. Um, as Fry's going out to, to shake Minnesota coach's hand, the, <laughs> the security guard for the Minnesota coach like jumps out. He's this huge like six-foot guy. And he yelled at Fry basically like, to clean it up, it was basically like, screw you, Fry, like, screw your team for winning this game. And then the Iowa security guard kind of got in the way to protect Fry. But Fry says, well, if you dumb gophers could count to 12, you would have won the game. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, coach. <laughs> well, uh, coach, I don't, I don't know. Did did Iowa ever travel down to Bryant Denny Stadium and play, play in Alabama? 
No, I, why, why would we go on down to Tuscaloosa? That'd just be crazy. Come on. I don't know how you felt about uh, how you and uh, how you and the bear got along. Do do I or remember Gene Stallings? Iowa, God, do I remember Iowa ever playing an SEC team? Wow. Um, boy, uh, you know, back in the, back in the eighties and nineties, our bowl games. You know, Rose Bowl was Pac twelve. Sun Bowl was Big Eight. Um, Alamo Bowl was Big Eight, I think. Um, yeah, like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember Fry ever playing an SEC team. We probably did um, along the way, um, but none, not off the top of my head. Well, Iowa, the SEC Iowa and Alabama have actually never faced each other before, yeah. per yeah. Winsipedia. Iowa did play LSU, not during the Fry era, but uh, gave Saban his last last loss at LSU. Did he really? He went off to the, yeah, that was the Capital One Bowl that we won on the final Hail Mary. Tate to oh, Holloway. Oh, I forgot about that. Come on. I forgot about that. I'm, I, I'm terribly, God. terribly sorry. Okay, well, um, let's uh, talk, though. That, that was my young protege, Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> How do you feel about his uh, his baby boy, Brian? Well, you know what? You, you can't put family ahead of wins. You know, <laughs> I never I never had any of my kids on my coaching staff. My kids were Barry, Billy, Danny, <laughs> Kurt. Those were my family. Those were my sons. Then uh, Bert. What about Bert? Bert's dead to me. He went up. <laughs> He's he's over there in Champaign. I don't like Champaign, Urbana. It's a cow town. Reminds me of a Texas cow town. I had enough of those when I was down at SMU. Oh, well, let's head down to that aforementioned Alabama team, a game that could ultimately decide the SEC West. LSU actually somehow has like the number one uh, offense in the country now. They've overtaken Washington for points, I think, in total yards per game, putting in huge numbers behind Jane Daniels. Um, still though, they've got two losses on the year, the loss to Florida state, the loss to Ole Miss, uh, Alabama's already lost to Texas, but if LSU wants to stay in contention, they got to win this one at Brian Denny stadium on Saturday night. It's going to be as loud and as intense as anywhere in the country this weekend. What is the biggest key for LSU to do in order to pull off the upset? Yeah, I I think as much as he's vastly improved, as much as um, he's had some incredible throws that have really impressed me, Milrow is still still a kid, right? You know, Mm -hmm. this is he's still adjusting. You know, LSU has a lot of talent. I know their defense has struggled at times this year, undeniably, but um I'm I'm curious if Milrow has it to bring Alabama back because Alabama has first half Alabama has been not very good. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's becoming scary how they've had some really, really, really slow starts. So if LSU gets up 
three or four touchdowns, can they do the opposite of what Tennessee did, which is stay in that lead, keep that cushion, really force Milrow to beat him through the air? You know, if it's if it's a three touchdown game, late stages of the third, early fourth, LSU can probably just rush three and drop eight. And does Milrow have it to pick a secondary apart like that? We, you know, he's like I said, he's made some incredible throws. Um, he's getting better each week, I think. But I don't know if we've seen that from him just yet. I don't know if he has that in his pedigree. So for LSU to win, they need to hope Alabama has another slow start. They need to use their offense to build a nice big lead, and then don't do the Tennessee thing. <laughs> don't get <laughs> shut out. Don't get shut out in the second half. Yeah, that's not very helpful when that happens all right uh let's go back out to the pac-12 for our final uh big one of the week washington at usc uh josh with the firing of brian ferentz that we haven't even talked about here yet i thought about doing an emergency pod with you about this when this one uh when that news came down uh which we still should talk about here in a minute but uh, with that, I think it's pretty fair to say Alex Grinch is the worst coordinator left in major college football, at least at the Power 5 level. So I'm going to keep it simple. How many points will Washington score against USC this weekend, considering they gave up 49 to Cal last week? You, what, are we, what are we talking about USC for? USC ain't been any good since they hired Larry Smith. They're, they're a joke of a program. Washington's the real deal. You know, Washington's going to win at least two, three national titles here in the 1990s. You got like, well, Washington's building out there with Coach James up there in Seattle. No one cares about USC. USC's from the 1970s. No one. Oh, hey, hey, let me just say OJ Simpson ain't walking through that door anymore for, for USC. Uh, John McKay ain't walking through that door. No, John McCain walking through that. Um, yeah, I mean, like, in, I'm so curious. If Cal had hit that two point conversion, was Grinch getting tarmacked? Like, because you could make the argument they gave up 49 points. Like, he probably should have been fired anyway, even in a win. But it's hard to fire a coordinator after a win. Um, so like that Cal might've played 3d chess to help the rest of the league. Uh, (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, this is getting, this is getting laughable and, you know, obviously for Kirk, this, he had much more leeway because he's had 20 years of leading Iowa to, eight, nine, 10 win seasons, tons of bowls, tons of wins. You know, he's sniffing around that hall of fame benchmark of 600 career winning percentage. Like Kirk had that legacy and, you know, it took two, three years of bad offense with his son to finally like lose the fan base and get them irate. Lincoln Riley is basically a carpetbagger that most people assume is leaving the first NFL job he gets offered. He does not have that cachet at USC. He has won a lot of games, but never a playoff championship. You know, he's, you know, lost big games. 
He got drubbed in the Pac-12 title game a year ago and then lost a prestigious bowl game to Tulane. He has none of that cachet. So if I was a USC fan, if I was Bill Plaschke out there typing up articles for the LA Times, like I'd be going irate. This is, you know, this is supposed to be the Alabama of the Pac-12. This is supposed to be the Ohio State of the Pac-12. And they are a clown operation right now because they are willfully negligent on defense. I mean, this is insane. Like, if Nick Saban had this happen on his Alabama staff, that coordinator would have been fired so quickly already. And USC just was like, you know, whatever. I'm Lincoln Riley. I'm just not going to talk to the media. I'm not going to let any players be available. I'm just going to go and hide. Because, that was insane. Because evidently this guy is my best friend and I can't live without him. It's like, well, guess what, Lincoln? He's ruining your career. He really, I mean, it's bad. It's really, really bad. It uh, it reminds me of, hey, you know who this reminds me of? Okay. So a little bit before I got to Iowa City, the, the coaching staff there, um, no, this is a true story. The, the coaching staff uh, just before Fry, like one or two coaches before Fry, um, the guy had like his best friend as his defensive coordinator. And the athletic director was like, hey, our defense was like DFL in the Big Ten. Like, you got to fire him. And the coach was like, well, I get to retain staff decisions for my coaching staff. And the AD was like, that's true. But I get to retain you. And the coach was like, called his bluff. And athletic director Bump Elliott said, you're gone. Get out. And I mean, that's what that's what USC needs to do. It's bad. It makes no sense. It's really bad. It's really bad. Uh, coach Fry, I've done a little research since we've been on the call. Um, you have uh, you've never faced and uh, you've never faced an SEC team in regular season play. However, you've had three matchups against uh, SEC teams in postseason play. Do you know who those teams are? Do you remember mm. who you played? Oh boy! Well, you know, I, I'm I'm getting up there in age, so I need I need a few few minutes to think about. Is this my entire career or just at Iowa? This is just at Iowa. Just a, okay, because you know, I I went to a Cotton Bowl there with SMU. I think is the SEC was the SEC a Cotton Bowl back in the day? I don't. More know. More than likely, I don't know. Um. Okay. Well, let's see. Oof. Um. Well, it wouldn't have been any of the Rose Bowls, nope. obviously. Um. I know. I know. Hayden led them to a Peach Bowl back in the day. Peach Bowl seems like it'd be an SEC team. Mm-hmm. How about how about we took on the uh, Tennessee Volunteers? How about that? That is correct, Coach. You remember Ooh. the games that you were in? You where you were in the Peach Bowl? Uh, All right, in nineteen in the nineteen eighty two Peach Bowl against Johnny Majors and the Tennessee Volunteers. Oh. All right, okay. I know they played a Gator Bowl. Yes, they did. Uh, I'm going to say we we had a tough one. We had a tough one. We had to play Florida in the Gator Bowl. That is correct. The following oh. season, 1983. Okay. 83 Gator Bowl. And now, 1987. 
87. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Uh, geez. Uh, 87 Iowa was pretty good. So would have been a decent. Who was decent? The, the, yeah, go on. De- I'm trying to think who would have been decent in the late 80s. Um, uh, let's see. We took Actually, this on... was a this was not a bowl game. This was a a, a neutral site game to kick oh. off the season oh. in '87 um. in East Rutherford at Giant Stadium, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Well, when I think of East Rutherford, New Jersey, nothing better than Iowa and LSU. No, it was those Tennessee Vols again. Oh, okay. It All was right. those Tennessee Vols with Johnny Majors again to start this, right. to start the '87 season. One All that right. would finish in the Holiday Bowl mm-hmm. with a victory over Wyoming at Jack Murphy yeah. Stadium. Yeah. Well, unrelated to the SEC matchups, but one of my favorite Fry moments. Unfortunately, I wasn't around for this one. This was even before I was born, but just learning more about Fry over my life. The 1984 Freedom Bowl. Iowa comes in. Okay. They're like an okay team. Uh, they, um, they were seven, four and one on the year and, uh, they were taken on Texas coached by Fred Akers. Now, basically Texas never gave Fry the time of day, obviously. And Fry's probably like, well, I'm not going to play Texas too often. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, they, they dropped 55 on him. (laughs) 5517. I'm sure that made everyone in Austin feel real good. <laughs> so all right. Well, we well, let's finish up uh with one or who knows, up to a six pack for the road, whatever you need. Uh I'm just taking one and I'm taking I'm going back to that Pac 12 well once again. So if it's not a well drink, this is top shelf stuff you're getting, guys. Even the lesser-known stuff, UCLA at Arizona this weekend. Uh, I mentioned Noah Fafita a little bit earlier. He has been a revelation uh, in his four starts for uh, for the Cats. He is throwing for over 300 yards a game as a starter. Uh, has thrown uh, 13 touchdowns, or sorry, uh, 11 touchdowns to only three picks in, in those starts. And he's been just doing a little bit of everything, uh, you know, two big wins. He's had four starts against four ranked teams. Uh, you know, the last two wins at Washington State, uh, you know, when they trounced them 44 to six, and then the the win against Oregon State. Uh, we know Oregon State is such a good team. Uh, beat them 27-24 last week. He's completing well over 70% of his passes. And uh, the freshman from Huntington Beach is uh, – you know, he is so athletic and he, you know, so their issue is a lot of times on the offensive line and he's able to escape the pocket, use his legs, not just to not necessarily to run, but to actually find receivers who are breaking off routes downfield. I'm really impressed with them. And I think it's going to be a really good game with UCLA because UCLA is uh, the best defense that they've faced 
so far, I think UCLA's defense is, is proving to be one of the best units on the West Coast. And I think it's going to be a lot like that 27-24 game they played last week versus Oregon State. I think that, you know, the Bruins come into this one ranked 19th and they're still having some quarterback issues. I don't think I think you think Arbers is going to start again, but I don't entirely believe that they know who their best quarterback option at quarterback is they're playing three guys they're playing garbers Moore, and schley uh schley looked a little bit rough uh, around the edges last week in the colorado game that i watched Moore has definitely hit a freshman wall of uh, of some garbers came in let's look good at times but also make some of the mistakes that he's been making for a couple of years in a backup role to dtr which is why he didn't necessarily win the job coming out of fall camp uh but you know, at the end of the day, this is going to be one of the best played games of the weekend. We're going to be one of the closest games of the weekend. I like the Bruins uh, by, you know, a field goal maybe, but I think that is going to be one of the games to watch in some Pac-12 after dark, a late kick, 1030 Eastern, uh, late, late kick out there in the desert. So uh, what have you got taking us out of here? Well, there were there are three random games that caught my eye. Just three this week. Um, first of all, way out there in uh, in the world of the independents, we got two East Coast independents there: uh, Syracuse and Boston College. There we go. Uh, Do you know Baber started out four and zero, Matt? He did. They are zero and four in ACC play, yeah. and have lost four straight. It's bad. Uh, Boston College, <laughs> despite Halfley being an idiot, it seems like. Like, does anyone like him? I don't, based on everything I see about Boston College, they're not a fan of him. Uh, they are at five and three. <laughs> like, if they win this, they're going bowling. Um, and then for, you know, whoever loses, like, just massive, massive uh, panic time for for their job security. Well, Josh, listen to this. In four conference games, like you mentioned, the Orange are 0-4. In four conference games, they've scored a total of 34 points. It's Iowa-esque. Um, and they've given up 150. That's not Iowa-esque. No, it's not. That is... I mean, that means they're giving up 37.5 a game, and they're scoring 8.8 and a half a game. Yeah, that's so that'll a good be, ratio. That'll be a fun Friday oddity to uh, to keep my eyes on. Uh, my my second and third game come from the same league. I, I don't know what this league is. The Mountain West. The uh, some of these teams I think are in the whack, and some of them I think are Division One AA. I don't know some of these teams, but I'll tell you what: this UNLV running Reb team. They're not just a basketball school, man. <laughs> How do you feel about they, uh how, how do you feel about chewing on towels there? <laughs> they uh they've already won six games. Um so they're they're gonna go bowling. But last week they gave Fresno everything they could handle. They had a heartbreaking loss. They dropped a, a, a potentially game-tying touchdown in the end zone. Um and then the next play, they unfortunately is a fourth and desperation play, and they they threw an interception, but they gave Fresno all they could handle. They travel down to Albuquerque. New Mexico is a mess. UNLV can can keep pace in the Mountain West. They should drub the Lobos. Uh, but the running Rebs, 
great, great story. And then finally, uh, you know what, man? This team, I don't know who they are. They must be a Division One AA team. Boise State College? They got schools in Idaho? I don't remember. I don't, I don't know who. They, going back to that Fresno team, huge Mount West showdown, Boise State at Fresno State. That is a fun way to end a Saturday night, 9 p.m. Unfortunately, going to be tough to find. It's on the CBS Sports Network. The worst. I don't. I don't. It, I, I. We have Directv with a sports package, and we still don't but, get it. But it is. It is out there if you can find it. Good luck to you. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I've been caught trying to catch random Mountain West games, and they're always on CBS Sports Network, and it always drives me absolutely up the wall. Air Force taking on Army this weekend. Speaking of uh, Mountain West teams, uh, Air Force looking to continue their undefeated season. Army not having the best of uh, seasons uh, by so far, especially by their standards. They got um, they got the snot kicked out of them by LSU last week. I believe LSU did not respect the troops. It was it was very sad to see. But um, they, they're home for Army this weekend, which should push them to nine and zero. And you know they finished the year with UNLV and Boise State uh, Air Force does, but it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, can they run the table? If the Falcons can run the table, you know, w- what does that mean? They're probably not going to make the CFP if they're undefeated. But, you know, they are definitely one of the better teams in the entire nation. And I think that's, you know, pretty much without question. So um, that I think then is going to do it here uh, for us here today on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, somewhere here in the greater Nashville area, um, our other coach, the head coach, Hayden Fry, uh, in. Well, uh, I got to I got to get down over to Hawkeye Barbershop and see my guy, Dick, to cut my hair uh, over there in Iowa City, Iowa, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois. This is Matt Perkins in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.